This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and all our listeners. And so today we thought it would be good to talk about why it's important to have a state plan and why we should be talking with our loved ones about our plans. Um, you know, Thanksgiving is the perfect time to be thinking about everyone we're thankful for and uh, making sure that we're taking care of them when we're no longer here and not leaving them with a big mess to, to unravel. And hopefully folks will get to be spending time with their loved ones, or if not, maybe there's a annual phone call or or something like that. We just want to, it's a good time to communicate. It absolutely is. And, you know, it's interesting because I've heard a couple of shows on MTV, uh, you know, um, Southern Remedy was, was talking about this and uh, 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 about what to discuss around the Thanksgiving table. And you know, some toxic topics. And, you know, lately, uh, you know, uh, politics have been been a tough subject. And, you know, but one thing that we can all uh, know is that at some point, and while this is sad, I think it's something that should bring us together and hopefully make us kinder to each other. We know that our time will come. Uh, And so uh, we could talk about what our plans are, you know, uh, and I talk about this with my family, um, you know, what, what what will happen you know when when i die what's going to happen uh you know who where is where are my things uh you know what debt do i have if i have debt all those things are good conversations to have even though they're sometimes hard conversations to have well or the the opposite sort of is if when you die you're dead and you don't care well then but that leaves then your rest of the family to go oh wait they didn't have a plan on where they wanted to be buried or they didn't have a plan on who was going to get what. And we have to create that out of whole cloth. And Absolutely. Uh, it, it's just good to, to talk about it, to let everybody know who has to invent what. You're absolutely right. And I, I, you know, I have a tragic story to tell about a family um, two adult children who lost their mother during the pandemic of 2020, but um, she had not been communicating with them at all. Uh, they were kind of, they were estranged. And um, so they had no idea what she had, uh, where to find anything. They both had to travel. They, neither one of them lived really close to her and they had to travel to um, her apartment where, where she had died and uh, go through stuff, boxes and boxes of things that were, um, you know, receipts from 1980s that had no purpose, but, you know, but then valuable things in those same boxes. And it was, it was a mess and it was hard enough for them to, you know, be dealing with that tragedy, but to have to go and unravel. Uh, she had a car. They didn't know if, if she, no, she, they, she had a lien on that car. They didn't know what, you know, what her bank accounts were, her credit card debt or anything like that because she hadn't left a plan. So it was a, it was a hard enough experience and a mess, and they had to figure out what to do with her remains as well because she left no uh, no instructions about that. And so an estate plan is just a set of instructions about, about here's what I want you to do, here's where I want things to go, 
And I think we have to communicate, you know, what we have and where it is. The the where it is. And I, I think I'm one thing we're do, trying to do over this holiday week is put the bags of to be shredded so that it can, you know, disseminate from the tax returns from the 1980s, which statute of limitations we don't need anymore. And, you know, two, well, you know, here's some stuff when from when we bought the house that you do need to to keep. So just, you know, knowing if there is a safety deposit box or where it is or if your family does own a cemetery plot, where is it? Uh, those are all some some great things. Well, but so what happens if you die without a plan? Well, that's that's a great question. And, um, you know, it, it does mean that people are going to have to start to scramble. But from a legal point of view, uh, we have intestacy. Uh, that means you die without a will. And uh, and so the state of Mississippi, if someone's a Mississippi resident, would would determine where their property, who who would get their property. And, um, you know, on the surface, people say, well, OK, then I have a plan because the state's the, the state legislature has drafted one for me. But what what I have found is that that is rarely the right plan for anyone. I mean, because it's not you know, it is a best guess as to what people would normally want to do with their property. And so people will say, well, you know, I just have a spouse and children. You know, why would intestacy be such a bad thing? Well, you know, part of that is in Mississippi, the spouse only takes a child's share. So I've got four children. Uh, that would mean that my spouse would get a fifth of my estate and my children would each get a, a fifth of my estate. And, you know, that kind of surprises people because usually you think of the spouse as being maybe the primary beneficiary, but that that doesn't happen in intestacy. And the other thing is uh, it only can go if you have a spouse and children, it can only go to them. So, you know, if you've got uh, good friends or siblings that you want to leave something to, intestacy doesn't accomplish that. Um, it doesn't give to charity. You can't give property to charity in intestacy. So it's really just a, a plan that uh, the legislature says we've got to do something. And so we're going to come to the, the close guess. Well, if you don't have, I'm sorry, one more thing. If you don't have any close relatives, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If you don't have any close relatives, it could go to some remote cousin you never even really knew very well. I'm sorry, Liz. No, no, that, no, that's okay. I, I just to to play off the it it gets divided up. So uh, let's go ahead and use you as this ex- example, if you don't mind. So if you were to die, you have a wife and you have four children, but suppose you have a house and a car and and some a stamp collection you know how how is it decided who gets a how do you get a fifth of a house or a fifth of a stamp collection do you have to sell everything how does that work that's a, that's such a great question it's an important question to think about even in doing a plan is the fact that you know if all we have is is piles of cash and no other property it's easy to divide that up equally but but things, the stuff we have doesn't divide that equally. Uh, you know, our dining room table, I, you know, cut it up into into five pieces. Uh, so the, if you if you uh, die intestate, the court will appoint an administrator who will make those decisions about, you know, first they're going to have to value the property to make sure that, um, you know, that, that there's kind of a fair distribution. But, you know, it may be the administrator decides to give uh property uh, to someone, it doesn't necessarily make sense. They're just dividing it up. Maybe they sell it all. 
and that maybe that's not what a family member wants. Um, and so with a, with a will or a trust, you can, you can decide who gets specific property. Um, because you're right. We, we live if intestacy assumes a very simple equation. Uh, we just divide stuff up equally, but we live, we are complex people. And the other thing is our people are complex. So you, know, you have, may have a child that has special needs. You may have a child that, uh, uh, is very wealthy and may not need uh, anything from the estate. All those things can be taken into account, whereas intestacy just says everybody's equal. Let's go to the phones. We have a call. It's Florence. It's Roger calling from Florence. Hello, Roger. Good morning. What a wonderful program. I'm a, I'm a, one of your favorite callers, probably. I, I had an experience when I was on the bench that surprised me. I was researching it various laws that I was supposed to be responsible for in my jurisdiction and discovered one that nobody else seemed to know about. I looked it up fairly recently, but the set of code was not updated. I'm not sure it still exists. That law says that there shall be, I'm not quoting it, there shall be a what's called a county administrator. Now, we've used that for road Sort of thing, but the law says a county administrator shall be appointed whose job it is to probate the estate of anyone who dies in the county. And so people think, well, um, I don't have a lawyer, I don't need to probate grandpa's will or whatever. That may be true, and it will lead to trouble later if you don't go through probate because there will be unanswered questions. But I just wanted to point out and ask Dean if, if maybe that is still in existence. I know that there had never been such a person appointed when I took the bench, the 20th Chancery Court District, and so I appointed it. I won't say his name, but a young attorney. And he was not thankful because he was his job was to, to probate estates, and some of these estates had very few, if any, assets. So how was he going to be paid? It's a problematic question. But Dean, could you comment on that? I'm going to I'm going to hang up the Judge, thank you for calling, Judge. It's always good to hear from you. Um, and uh, you county know, and administrator you, to to yeah. probate things. You know, and, and the judge was a chancery court judge, so this is this was uh, yeah we probate in the chancery court, and uh, um, yeah, I um, have never heard of any county administrators being appointed like that. It would be uh, it would be an onerous onerous task because you're talking about everyone who dies within the county without um, having uh, appointed their own personal representative, their own executor in their will uh, would need to have that person and. They are, as you said, entitled to be paid. But uh, if you're dealing with estates with no assets, basically you're paying off the creditors, and that's that. Uh, so um, that's a great question. I don't know that anyone has ever asked that before, and uh, I, uh, I I'm not aware of any county uh, administrator other than the one you appointed being appointed. But I could be wrong about that. Well, so thank uh, you for calling. Other than Roger, I'm sure we have other legal people who do listen. So if they know, we would love for them to tell us. You can send us your emails with your questions and comments. That address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing 
getting that will made or telling your family where your will is, maybe you could do this over Thanksgiving. Now, if you need a starting point for getting your estate plan organized, I've got a worksheet for you. That's next. Thanks for listening to In Legal Terms on the radio, on your podcast. Now, if you are listening to the live show, but you don't have time to listen to the whole show, go to our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Okay, here is a great benefit for our MPB fans and friends. If you need a starting point for crafting an estate plan, what to think about, what information you need to grab, MPB has a digital worksheet for you. If you go to the website for our foundation, mpbfoundation.org, there's a link to Free Will. It's a site that will help you organize your estate plan so you can get started. It's it's free. It just gives you a place where you can write out things and think about, uh, you know, what your gather all of your information. That is uh, from the mpbfoundation.org. I'll have that link on this site. This morning, we're talking about wills and estates and maybe talking to your family over Thanksgiving about where their will is, where your will is, because, you know, sometimes kids predecease parents. So this is something everybody needs to talk about. But we do have a call from Lower Alabama. Casey has called in. Casey, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Thanks for taking this question. Um, I'm wondering, and this is probably a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it because I ain't going to know any better if I don't, right? Um, uh, If when you are dealing with a professional and you are drawing up these papers, can you and should you explicitly state who you do not want to have access to whatever you're leaving? <laughs> Great question, Casey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's totally up to you. And, and uh, um, you know, that's uh, you want to find somebody you can trust. Usually you don't need to tell a lot of people. Uh, but, but you need to tell somebody. I think the mistake people make is is the opposite uh, of, you know, excluding people. It's just not telling anybody. They want to keep it a big secret. So when they die, as Liz said, nobody knows where to find the will or whether they have a safe deposit box or whether they have um, assets at all. And that that's a big mistake. But as long as you tell somebody you trust uh, and, you know, and tell them that you're going to appoint them to be your personal representative when when uh, when you die and they're going to find all that, you know, they're going to go get all that stuff, put, get it together um, and, you know, get death certificates that are going to be needed, things like that. Um, though that's, that's really what you want to make sure you, you tell that really trusted person, but otherwise it's nobody else's business. And you can certainly talk to a lawyer and say, Hey, these are the only people that should have access to my information. So how's the best way to find a lawyer that you can trust when you cannot Say there are drug problems in the family and, you know, prison records and stuff. Um, How do you find a lawyer? (laughs) There are lawyers with prison records, aren't there? So how do you find a lawyer? Well, not, you know, typically lawyers don't have uh, extensive prison records or they'll be disbarred, you know, if they they, uh, have been a lawyer and then are going to go to prison. But um, 
But what you do is I think the best thing to do is uh, talk to people locally about people they've worked with, who they trust. Um, That's one way. Um, The bar does have, you know, uh, information about who practices in what areas. Uh, They won't make a specific recommendation of a lawyer, but certainly you can see whether somebody's in good standing, if nothing else. Um, but it is it who you know people who have worked with uh, with lawyers uh, uh, that they like and they trust. It's it's a lot like you know other professions, um, doctors, and you know you kind of want to just ask around. Um, but for the most part, I found most lawyers, especially in the areas of estate planning, to be be very trustworthy. You just want to make sure that they they've done estate planning, and it's not somebody who doesn't do it. Um, I was only doing it because you're coming to them and asking you to do it, but it's actually done in estate plans before because there are some complexities uh, that they need to understand. Uh, certainly, uh, I don't know lawyers in Alabama well enough to even kind of get you going in the right direction, but I'm sure there's some good ones there. Thanks for calling in, Casey. And for any of our Mississippi listeners, we did do a show on September 17th of 2019 on Choosing a Lawyer. Today we're talking about getting that will, having that conversation with your family about where the will is, what's in the will, making sure you have one. But a will is not the only thing that you need. There are some things that you need when you're alive. What what do we need when we're still alive, Professor Gershon? Oh, Liz, I'm so glad we're talking about this because my 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 wonderful former colleague who. Uh, retired, sadly, Donna Davis, who has been on the show, uh, was a great builder of things. Uh, she would build things for like our auction that we do for our public uh, interest fellows. And I said to her, how do you do that so well? How are you so good with, you know, building stuff? She said, you just have to have the right tools. And so estate planning is more than just a will. Or, you, know, the, it, you have to have all the right tools. And one tool is an advanced healthcare directive. Because the truth is, at any age, even my advanced age, a person is more likely uh, to be disabled that year than they are to, to die that year. And so um, we need to think about, well, what happens if I'm disabled and I can't make medical decisions for myself? And, and uh, you know, what if I get to that, that point where I, I will never recover? What kind of medical treatment do I want there? And that's why we need something called an advanced health care directive. Um, and they're easy uh, to do. I make my students do them every semester when I teach wills in the States. They're not allowed to take the exam until they do their advanced health care directive. But it really is just a matter of uh, making some choices. Who will be your, who will make decisions for you if you can't make decisions yourself about medical treatment, whether to uh, accept medical treatment, uh, you know, what medical treatment to take. Um, that's important. You want to appoint somebody to be your, uh, to have your health care power of attorney is really what that is, to make those decisions uh, in that event of disability. The other is uh, what we used to call living will, and then it's often still called that. But, um, you know, what happens if I'm in a terminal uh, state and I can't speak for myself? And um, the only thing that's happening is we're prolonging the process of dying. Uh, do I want to uh, have all the medical care I could possibly get? Do I want medical care withdrawn? Those are all my decisions. It's up to each of us. We each have the right to make that decision. Um, and uh, if we, if you don't mind, we can put a link to the Mississippi Advanced Healthcare Directive uh, on our website because it really is freely available. The legislature has created, uh, you know, a template uh, to use uh, or, or authorized a template to be used for uh, these healthcare directives. And then those are things that you want to give to your doctors and to the hospital so they know 
that you've made certain uh, decisions about uh, your life that you want honored. And uh, and the U.S. Supreme Court said they, sh- they should be honored if they're in writing. We're talking today about uh, – the, the conversations you need to have over the sweet potatoes, the conversations you need to have over pie with your family this week. One of, going back to our, our will situation, you know, a lot of people don't die singularly. You know, they're attached uh, to folks. You know, my husband and I own a house together. We also have cars together. What happens if you do own property together? Well, we, we have something called joint tenancy with rights and survivorship, and that that's a good way to pass property to someone that you are attached to because that property they can continue to use uh, even after the first one dies. So, yeah, uh, my wife and I have a joint bank account, for example. Uh, that's a, that's an example I think a lot of people do with their spouses. If I died right here on the show, my students always laugh because I die every day in class. I always use myself as a hypothetical. So let's say I died right now. Um, yeah, I know that I know that my wife could continue to use our bank account. She wouldn't have to. It wouldn't, that money doesn't have to go through probate. There's no process that has to take place. There's no delay in her ability to write checks and pay bills and sustain herself, you know, and uh, and make deposits, whatever she needs to do, because that bank account is in both of our names. And so joint property passes like that passes. Uh, at the death of the first one, and the survivor continues to own it. Um, and so that's a good way to, to, to own assets like a home and bank accounts and uh, and things like that. Well, I'm going to go ahead. I, I, I don't know how far our, uh, our audience reaches into other states. I'm going to go ahead and tell on ourselves. Oh, maybe I shouldn't, but I will anyway. Oh, I heard a story about uh, someone who died, and the son thought they had a joint account. But no, it wasn't a joint account. It was a transfer-upon-death account. And after the person died, the son continued to use the bank account and, you know, use a debit card that was associated with it to pay for uh, funeral uh, funeral costs. But then when they actually went to the bank, it was, oh, no, that was wrong. It wasn't a joint account. It was a transfer on death account. So if you, let's say, Professor Gershon didn't want your wife to have access to your account and didn't want it to be a joint account, what are some ways you can directly give someone an account without it being a joint account right now? Well, and you, you hit one of them exactly on the head, which is a payable on death account. Um, that is uh, one that um, the person doesn't have access to, but upon death. Now, they're still going to they're gonna have to go to the bank and show proof of death. They're going to have to show a death certificate and you know, show their ID to show that they are that beneficiary. Uh, but then that account can be transferred to their name. Um, and that uh, can avoid probate as well. When I was in law school, it would not have avoided probate, but we've gotten a lot looser on the kinds of assets that can pass at death now without probate. And I think I think that's because legislatures are trying to make it easier on the banks to kind of be able to look at the designation they have uh, and not be in trouble for allowing someone to take the money, even though uh, maybe they sh- that shouldn't have happened. Now that can happen. So we, we've gotten a lot more uh open about allowing 
property to passive death without having to go to probate. And that, I think that's good. But another way is to, to do like things like um, my retirement plan, for example, uh, is not something that my spouse has access to right now. Although um, she is, uh, you know, I, I, an authorized person who can interact with the retirement planning company, I'm, I'm, you know, want her to be able to do that. But when I die, that property that will pass immediately to her. And that's something called a third party beneficiary contract because it's between me and the retirement planning company uh, that owns my retirement plan um, that we have a contract that when I die, uh, then it'll pass and become my, my, my wife. So that doesn't have to go through probate and life insurance payable directly to someone doesn't have to go through probate. So there are ways that we can protect our families um, without the delay that probate sometimes causes, often causes, does cause, uh, and the cost of probate, um, which is some simple devices like joint tenancy with rights of survivorship, uh, joint bank accounts, life insurance policies, retirement plans, you know, those can all uh, go immediately to our family members so that they can continue to have those funds to live on um, uh, even after even after someone dies, whereas probate can take six months to two years. Uh, you know, there could be a, a good sized delay in, in getting those getting access to those assets uh, in probate. All right. Well, we've got an email to get to. Email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with our very own Professor Gershon, who teaches wills and estates at the University of Mississippi School of Law, Law School. <laughs> now, we did mention Advanced Health Care Directive and Professor Gershon, let me know that our legislature has one. I'll tell you another place where you can find one. That's next. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you'll subscribe to our podcast, or you can just find all the Think Radio recordings from the website mpbonline.org slash radio. This morning, we're talking about getting your will ready and talking about your wishes with your family, maybe over pie. Professor Gershon, what, what kind of pie are you hoping for this weekend? Uh, you know, you really don't want to ask me about my, my Thanksgiving eating. Given oh, my, is uh, it a vegan something? Yeah, but you know what? My wife makes a delicious vegan pumpkin pie, and I make a really good uh, vegan pecan pie. Um Easy to do, uh, you know. Really, all you're doing is substituting flax seeds for eggs and my pecan pie. So it's easy, to, you, you know. It's all about being with family and less about the food. But uh, yeah, I hope you're having a, a good uh, good dinner. We will, even though my daughters eat meat, we will be eschewing the turkey this year in, in, uh, in exchange for tofu. And I don't think there'll be many people in Mississippi doing the same thing. But uh, how about you? Well, I'm. I've given up hoping for a mincemeat pie that doesn't have meat. It's raisins and currants and pears and things. But uh, the mother-in-law makes a, a killer pumpkin pie, so that's definitely but we'll, we'll be having. So when you're talking about your with your family over Thanksgiving, we hope that you will have gone to the University of Mississippi Medical Center's website. It's a link where you can fill out an advanced health care directive. I will have that link on the information for this show. We've got an email. We've got a couple of emails and a phone call. Let's go to Sarah, who's called in from North Mississippi. Sarah, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question for Professor Gershon? Hi. So just 
coincidentally, we are also having a vegan Thanksgiving. Um, but so kudos to you, Professor Gershon. And I'm listening to both of you talk about um, just talking with your family about wills and estates and everything. And I wanted to relay our experience and why I think that corporate trust should be avoided, which is because um, unless you've documented those talks or had your attorney witness them, the corporate trustee can come back and say that you exercised undue influence on your parents when they get to a point where they can't fight back. And we had that happen and are still having it happen. My poor parents um, have been dragged through probate court by their trustee for the last three years. And uh, the stress took a tremendous toll on my dad and he passed away earlier this year. But the both trustees that we've had have made tremendous mistakes that they didn't own and still don't admit to to this day, despite documented evidence of it. And we've just found it to be a tremendous mess. They've um, they've paid bills late. They uh, they they just they made numerous mistakes, and they always had excuses for the bills being paid late. They would say they didn't get the bills in time, or they even claimed to have paid them on time, whereas the credit card companies would say, no, they didn't. Um, But my dad had a relative that he bought a house for, and that relative had promised to be the caregivers for my parents, and then turned out that he didn't do it. Um, He and his wife didn't end up taking care of my parents. So I came here to do that. And my dad decided to no longer foot the bills for that relative. Well, the house is held in trust. And so dad told the trustee he wanted to sell the house. But instead of just sitting dad down and talking to him about why they couldn't or wouldn't, they lied to him and put him off. They said, well, we'll revisit that later. And then they would put it off for months and he'd call them again. And, and they'd say, well, they'd try to shame him out of it. Well, it's not that much money. It's only $150,000. And then I said to them, well, if you think it's not that much money, then why don't you pay it? But actually the house wasn't 150, it was 250. So they made that mistake and it was just one after another and another, and they were removed. Um, then another one was hired. That's the one that's been dragging them through probate court. That one was fired for letting their health and life insurance lapse and yet saying an email that they were on time paying it. Sarah, this this is, oh, our heart just goes out to you. And I'm so glad that you called in to be a, a warning to give advice for individuals. And Sarah, uh, keep listening because this also dovetails with an email we just got, Professor Gershon, from Jane. Jane asked, uh, would you explain what a trust is and what circumstances it would be wise to start one with your estate planning? Sarah was talking about a corporate trust. What are some other types of trusts that one might have for estate planning? And that's a, it's a great, both of those, I'm sorry, Sarah, that you're dealing with that. And really, Sarah's problem deals with really more the, the, the issue with the trustee. And so one of the important aspects of selecting a, you know, setting up a trust would be to make sure you actually have a trustee that you can trust. 
Um, you know, trustees, like other human beings, can uh, can be, in her case, untrustworthy, and that's that. I, I mean, it's a shame, and it's a good it's good advice. Um, a corporate trust. When she talks about a corporate trust, she's really just saying that the trustee, as someone who was not uh, a family member, um, but instead was uh, you know a paid uh, corp, uh, trustee that is either a bank or some other entity that is uh, under state law allowed to be a trustee of trust. And so what, what exactly is a trust? Well, um, and when would you use it? A trust is just a, a way uh, to divide ownership um, between legal ownership and beneficial ownership. That's what lawyers say. And what that really means is that um, if I set up a trust in my estate um, while I'm still alive, I, I will, in essence, give up the ownership of my property to the trust. And that sounds scary to some people, but really, if I am uh, still able to uh, uh, terminate that trust to get my property back, which is typically how it's done, um, it's not really that that scary. But I do have to transfer my property to trust. I have to change the title of the trust so that the trust owns my property. And when I die, um, the trust is uh, in my trust agreement is will pass the property according to my wishes through the trust. That avoids probate because the trust, like a corporation, like uh, other entities, doesn't die. And so there's no reason to probate the assets. And so when would you use a trust? Well, someone wanted to avoid probate uh, and had a, you know, a, a, a good reasons to want to make sure the delays and cost of probate uh, uh, did not affect them. They would set up what we call a living trust and go ahead and, uh, and pass their property that way. The other reason you'd have a trust is you have someone, we had uh, Rick Courtney on talking about uh, special needs. Um, and so a special needs trust uh, is a way to uh, allow someone to qualify for, uh, you know, the, the benefits available under Medicaid and Social Security disability um, without uh, having the assets in the trust count against uh, that qualification. And then uh, another reason is for minor children. You know, if I was giving property to minor children in my will, um, I wouldn't want them to, you're not going to give property directly to a two-year-old or a four-year-old. In fact, really, the law wouldn't let you do that. So um, a trust is a good way to manage the property for those children, um, have a trustee uh, directing and managing and investing the property until the children reach a certain age where you feel like they'll be capable of managing it themselves. So it's just a vehicle to, to pass property to death, but also to manage property. One other uh, reason why you would have a trust is if you had property uh, and many people do. I have, uh, you know, homes and uh, maybe uh, summer homes in other states. Uh, real property has to be probated in the state where it is because we have to change title to that property in that state. So if I own property in Mississippi and also uh, in Alabama and California, um, if I die with a will passing that property, I'm going to have to have probate in Mississippi and Alabama and California. But if I um, have a trust, I can have the trust passing that property uh, and uh, not have to go through separate probates to do it. So the reasons you want to talk to a lawyer about that, I teach a class. I could I could actually do a 14 week class on all the things that go on with the trust. But Sarah's call, I think, is a cautionary tale about the most important thing you can do, really, in setting up a trust is make sure you have a trustee that that you really do can rely on. Um, you know, carrying out the wishes of, of uh, 
that, that you have for your for your property and your family. And I'm afraid that doesn't sound like that happened in that case. And you want to have an ability to remove that trustee if that doesn't happen. This has been a great show. These shows always are. Cheryl, hang on. And if you have a question, you can email us, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Sometimes it's good to hear what other people are asking. That'll lead you to think about your own situation. I'm going to tell you where you can hear about other will and estate broadcasts. I bet you can't even guess what I'm going to suggest. I'll tell you about that next. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. Oh, Professor Gerson, I was looking at one of our our YouTube shows on YouTube, and it also has a transcript. The AI bots have uh, transcribed what we're saying, and it'll be at the bottom of the YouTube. So if you're somewhere where you can't listen to things or you lost your earbuds, you can also just read the show. It's available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Just saw Dr. Buttress walk past because at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. Now, sometimes it is good to hear what other people are asking. That'll lead you to think about your own situation. And gosh, I think if we do the math, In Legal Terms has produced about three shows each year, definitely over the last five years, discussing estate planning. So you can check out uh, our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org, or find our podcasts for all the estate planning episodes that we've done. We've got an email and a call. Let's go to Cheryl, who's calling from North Mississippi. Cheryl, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? Hi, yes. My husband passed away at a local hospital. He was a veteran. He had no will or directive. And the hospital did not notify me of his death. They allowed his friend to sign transport papers to send him to another state and a a funeral home. And was that legal? Was the hospital responsible for notifying me, the wife, before they allowed his body to be sent somewhere else? Oh, Sharon, I'm so sorry uh, that that happened to you. And, um, you know, and I I would have to know more details about what he told them to do, you know, they're, they're, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and you know, at some point if, if, um, he was unable to, to tell them and they didn't know he was, uh, married, um, at some point they do have to do something with the body. They are legally bound to, to do something with the body. They, they can't just keep a, a deceased person. Um, and that kind of really happened, um, with that, uh, I told a story about a, a family whose who's, uh, mother died suddenly, uh, and uh, she didn't have a will. She didn't have any uh, information for them. And the local coroner finally just had to, uh, to to cremate the body because they didn't know what else to do. Um, so there, it really depends. I mean, it would obviously, if the hospital knew you existed, I think that was really inappropriate for them not to 
inform you, but I, I, it really just depends on whether they even knew that and what the circumstances were. And then they have certain health duties too, because they do, they can't just uh, keep a, uh, uh, you know, a deceased person's body uh, around, you know, indefinitely. So I'm just sorry that happened. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. I know it's upsetting. Oh, Cheryl, that that's just awful, and we're we're so sorry that you're having to to deal with that. I think this would be a a good reason to actually speak one on one with an attorney to get their advice. And as I mentioned, we in September of 2019, we did have a choosing an attorney show. If that would help you answer your question, well, Professor Gershon, we did get an email from. I think it was uh, Emily, and it's it, the email that would help us recap our show. I think they, they sent it in early. Maybe they heard uh, read our tweets that we talked about the show. What happens? It, so let's we've got like five minutes. We can just boom, boom these questions. What happens if you are married without children and die without a will? Will your spouse receive 100% of all your assets? Yes, under the intestacy laws of Mississippi, that is what would happen. Um, and you know, if that I'm not sure where the email is from, but if it was from another state, there's some states that actually, depending on the length of the marriage, the parents could also get some if there are no uh, if there are no kids. But in Mississippi, it's the spouse would take 100. percent So, if that's the case, and you support that arrangement, what would be the point of having a will? Is it a cost saving measure to avoid? the intestate process? Well, one, one thing to think about is, uh, you know, um, to have a will is what if the spouse dies before you? What do you want to happen in that case? You know, that's something to at least consider. Um, and the other thing is there, there are uh, considerations, for example, of um, if you have a pet, you know, how you want to take care of the pet, who's going to take care of the pet, are there charities you want to give to? And a lot of times people have charities they want to get to. So, yeah, it's not that's not the worst circumstance. I mean, it, it's uh, you know, unless it's, you're uh, both in the car at the same time that it gets hit by the Mack truck, then then what you're going to do? Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's always good to have a plan. It's always good to have a discussion. And uh, and then what if you get divorced? Uh, it does happen. You know, I mean, uh, hopefully it won't. But you're talking Fifty percent, roughly, of uh, marriages end in divorce in, in this country, and divorce is a really important time to do estate planning because we talked about life insurance policies and we talked about retirement plans. Uh, I had a, a a colleague at another school who passed away while he was great after he graded exams, and he had been married once before, um, and he was uh, married when he died. He had a young child. His retirement plan went to his ex spouse who had been his ex-spouse for quite some time because he never changed that designation at the time of his divorce. So all those things are things we need to think about. And so it's always good to have a plan. And I was certainly an advanced healthcare directive, uh, if you're married, just to, to let someone know what your wishes are uh, if you can't speak for yourself. Yeah, it's hard enough to, to haul people to make a will one time. You have to remember it needs to be revised. If you made a will when your kids were a little teeny tiny, maybe they're 20, 30, 40 somethings now, and that needs to be updated. Or, like as you said, if you're no longer married to the spouse that you had when you first drew up that will. Right. And the law will revoke 
the will as it relates to the spouse if you get divorced, but it will not change your uh, uh, you know, insurance designations or your uh, retirement plan designations. So all of those things are need things to think about. Um, at the end of the day, it's actually cheaper to have a plan than it is not to. Uh, you know, and that's what I think people fail to realize. They think, well, it's going to cost me money to have a will done. It's going to cost a lot more uh, on the back end uh, for the family and time and effort and also just uh, cost of trying to find everything uh, not to have a plan. So what are all of the things that you might need to have uh, beneficiaries designated for? You mentioned life insurance uh, retirement accounts, both pensions and uh, IRAs. Yes, definitely, because you don't you don't want those payable to your estate because then they become part of your probate estate. And there's no reason for that. They don't they don't need to go through probate. Same with life insurance. I always think it's a big mistake to have life insurance paid to the estate because that's an asset that can provide immediately immediate source of money for a family after someone dies, uh, that if it goes into the estate, then it's tied up with everything else uh, in probate. Well, um, this is Thanksgiving weekend. We learned on autocorrect, Mississippi has one of the highest per capita death rates during the holidays. Don't hit a tree, don't hit a deer, don't drink and drive. Everyone, please drive safely. Don't talk about politics with your family. <laughs> I, I hope everybody has a great time. I wish everybody could win the Do those Egg three Bowl. things in reverse order, Liz. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just joke. I hope everybody has a, a safe, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, turkey or not, pie or not, be nice to each other and discuss your wills and estate planning. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Our team consists of board engineer Jay White, call screener intern Charles Honor Arnold, podcast producer Jermaine Flood. For Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.